0: Welcome to LeapCast. I'm your host, Dr. George James. Leap stands for leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. And I'm on a journey to connect with high achievers and highlight their unexamined human moments. Tune in to learn how these high-achieving Leap individuals were able to reach their greatest potential, face their most difficult challenges, and embrace the human moments that helped them along the way. If you want to get the episode highlights directly in your email, then head to the Leapcasts.com right now to subscribe. Welcome again, everybody. This is Dr. George James, and this is Leapcast where we talk to leaders, entertainers, athletes and performers. Today I have the honor of talking to another great friend, Cherry Gregg, that I have known for some time now. Usually, the roles have been reversed. I've been her guest in lots of ways, but I'm glad that she can be my guest today. so Cherry, thanks for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you. It's unusual to be in this position.
0: <laughs> I know but, it is, and I love you know, it.
1: No, I, I did a little woosah th- today, you know, just to relax. <laughs> oh, what
0: happened? She's used to doing all the great, uh, asking all the great questions and getting people to just share. And I'm like, oh, now it's my turn. <laughs> uh, no, but really, this is just a great opportunity. And what, how I like to start off is uh, what we call a leap story, And, you know, you've done amazing things in your career. You continue to do great things. But sometimes we don't know, like, how you came up or what you had to do or what was your journey. And so we'd love to just maybe start there. Go back as early as you can to just talk about you and your early passions or desires or goals even. And let's start there. Tell us your leap story.
1: Sure. Well, I'm from Washington, D.C. Was born in D.C., raised in kind of D.C., Maryland. Era. Um, my mom had me when she was 19 years old. She had got married at 17. Wow. Um, you know, so that was not unusual in the mid to late 70s from what I hear now. But my I had two young parents. My dad was 21 oh. when I was born and maybe 23. I don't know. They're like four years apart. So oh. born to very young parents. Both of my parents had dropped out of high school because of circumstances, my dad had uh, been a football superstar at his high school in Virginia, actually had been recruited from several universities, but kind of freaked out and didn't finish. And then my mom, they had a big fire at the house. And so my mom ended up homeless. My grandmother was hospitalized. So she kind of like fell between the cracks because they're both the youngest of nine.
0: Wait, they're both
1: the they're youngest both of nine. The youngest of nine. Wow. Yeah. So they both kind of like fell between the cracks and kind of clung to each other so to speak and ended up, you know, getting married very young. My dad was 21, my mom was like 19, 17 when they got married. My, 2 years later I came along. A couple years after that my brother came along, my brother Ray. And they were just trying to navigate this world They ended up going back to school, getting education to kind of like, you know, vocational school. And that's kind of how we were raised throughout the 80s, you know, living in D.C., just kind of like moving around a lot with young parents, just trying to navigate, trying to educate themselves. And I think a a point in my life that I think is pretty significant is my parents splitting up when I was 10. My brother was eight and my youngest brother was two. And I feel like that was a pivotal moment in my life and everything sort of changed for us, you know, because we were doing okay. But when that happened, I feel like we kind of descended into like a level of poverty in some ways, because, you know, you go from like two, you know, income household to one income household. My dad had some substance abuse issues just because of the, all the, the, I guess, the pressure of trying to raise children Mm. and trying to work in a society doesn't want to see you succeed and all these things so my mom was left on her own and I think that was a defining moment for me and my brothers you know I became like the person who cooked the person (laughs) who made sure everybody did their homework Yeah, yeah and all of this stuff the other parent yeah the other parent and uh also you know I think it couple years later it became my goal to get out of it <laughs> to be like yo right, I got I gotta get out yo this is crazy <laughs> yeah and i think that is the moment when i just kind of like became like this person who just decided to work really hard you know i was a straight A student i was a valedictorian by my 8th grade class nice i went to high school was top of my class like straight A's every semester i played volleyball played basketball And I was in the visual and performing arts for television production. So I hosted a show in high school called The Ramp Age. I also.
0: Let's bring it back.
1: Yeah. Like I was, I used to produce the little reel, like the highlight reels for some of the basketball players because my boyfriend was a basketball player. Like I was, you know, we were considered the cutest couple, you know, and all this. So I was like semi popular in high school, but not semi in quotations. We know what that means. Yeah. And I was, but I was all about getting out and I got a yes. full scholarship to nice. go to Boston university. And I was like, I'm going far. Yeah. Like, I'm out. And, um, you know, and I went to BU and that was another thing. I didn't realize how hard it would be, you mm-hmm. know, being away from my family. And
0: that's the- a big, I mean, I'm going to go back to some early stuff, but that's a big shift, right? you talk about DC chocolate city to BU.
1: Yeah, I went, my school was 84% black, like my high school. Suitland High School, what's up with the Rams? And my, I had a very small but like tight knit family. My aunt lived next door. Like we was like, it was like everybody was raising us. You know, my cousins lived next door. Like, so I went from like my grandma, we stayed with my grandma a lot. Mm. So like I went from like this close knit family, my brother being my best friend, to, like, being so far away. And I went to BU sight unseen. Oh, wow. Like, because my mom could not afford to send me to, yeah. to visit the school. I didn't do, like, a tour, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I legit, like, the first time I saw Boston University was when my mom took me up on the train for freshman week.
0: And, and it's she- not like now where people can even do virtual tours. It was oh, a no. time where, like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where it is. is. just This going- was,
1: like, the mid-'90s. This is like, <laughs> yo, wasn't no... I mean, I got my first email like in '96, you know, yeah. when I was first started yeah. school or whatever. So it was like a different world and it was hard, like, to the point where, like, I don't even remember post sophomore year. Like, the from sophomore year to senior year is a blur. Yeah. Because I worked three jobs. I, there was a period when my brother went to college, he went to Frostburg State, he was playing football there. And my mom just could not by herself mm-hmm. afford to support two kids in college on one salary. My mom was like a bookkeeper at a high school. And so there came a point where like I legit did not have, they locked me out the dorm. Wow. At B U. And I had I had no place to stay. So that was like my sophomore year right after Christmas break. And I considered it to be the second defining moment of my life. Because, and I was just talking to my brother about this just the other day. One of my mentors has always said, there's two kinds of people. And there's the kind of people when they're stressed, they focus. And there's the other kind of people when they're stressed, they implode. Yeah. And that was a moment when I realized I'm a focus. person. Yeah. And I remember coming home and I told my mom how depressed, I didn't want to go back. She said, no, you will not drop out. You were a straight A student. You will finish. So I went back. Never complained again. Started cleaning houses on the weekends. I worked at a copy center overnight and I sold fur coats after class. And I I still made things list.
0: That is just incredible. And, you know, I think you're saying a lot that really relates to so many people. Yeah. I was having a conversation not that long ago with another guest about what it means to be first gen, first generational student. Right. That was the same for me. What it means also to come from parents where they struggle. They're good people. They work hard, but they just didn't have enough money. And the point where you realize your parents don't have enough money to, or they're struggling. And it sounds like for you, the point where you realize that the only way I'm going to figure this out is if I figure this out, is if I literally put it on my back and find some solutions. But I think you dropped a gem where like people who are stressed either implode or they focus. And that can literally define what happens next and throughout your life the choices you make. And it sounds like for you, that moment of focus really carried you through the rest of college.
1: That changed my life. Like yeah. that, I like, I did not know. And I was telling my brother this and my brother didn't even know that I didn't have a place to stay. Like I didn't tell nobody. Yeah, I just like legit said, how much money do I need to get out of this? Yeah. And not, and I'm not a jump on the pole type chick, like right. So, like I could have jumped on the pole. Way. Right. I was like, because I was raised Catholic, I was a right. church girl growing up. So like jumping on the pole, you know, that was yeah, like, right. Look, I, I know some now, that was like, I think about people that that was an option for them. Did. Yeah. I was like, girl, you could have twerked your way out of this, oh, but oh. it wasn't part of my who I was. Like,
0: Mama ain't part. gonna hear that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, you know, I had always worked. I worked, I babysat when I was 12. I was top, you know, employee at a shoe store. I worked for the school board in the summer. So like, I always had a job. So I just said, you know what? We about to grind. Yeah. And I just, ever since then, I never went back home. I like, literally, I just stayed away and I just worked. Wow. And I was like, I just grinded. Like, legit three jobs and st- made Dean's Dan- List. Could yeah, not I mean- intern because I couldn't afford it.
0: Right. I mean, that's four jobs, right? Between school and other stuff. And, you know, once again, like sometimes people don't recognize, you know, when they when they see you now, or when they see you doing multiple things, right? Like where you built those skills, right? Like, like, no, this is like I've been doing this from day one, right? Like I know how to handle pressure and stress and how to focus. But I want to go back, you know, when you mentioned about your parents moving around and then the split when did you realize that that had some impact on you? Like, you know, so I'll show for me, like I recognize my parents, they didn't finish high school. My mom didn't get her GED. She worked really hard and my parents would go my, in particular, my dad would go back and forth between the U S and Jamaica. So there'd be months I wouldn't see him. And it, it didn't hit me until later in life, what that meant for me to not have him around in my life for, He was there for big moments, right? Graduations and so forth. But like other moments, right? Where it'd be like, oh, he's not here. And how that was a void at times for me, which then later led to me seeking out mentors, in particular men. And so I'm wondering like for you, when that split happened with your parents, how did you, when did you recognize that had some impact on you?
1: I think years later, because in my choice in relationships, And I'll say this, because when my my mom went through three years of deep depression, when my dad and her broke up, and that's why I had to step up and cook and do all that stuff, because my mom could literally only work and go to bed, like, three years. She had a little kid to take care of, right? But then three years later, she, like, woke up. But by then, I was a fully, like, (laughs) you know, I was a teenager, and I was, like, in charge of my life, because I had to, I was forced to grow up. But I remember making a decision, like I was like, I will never be in a relationship mm-hmm. where I could ever be this devastated. Yeah. You know, and my mom and my dad, my mom met my dad when she was 13 years old. Yeah. So like that was the only and they're back together fast forward. They got back together <laughs> I when love I was it. in law school. I called the house <laughs> one day. My dad answered. I said, What you doing there? <laughs> Did I call the wrong number? Like, what's going on over there? Well, I'm not being your mama. <laughs> so They back together fast forward. They've been back together for some years now and wow. they are happy as clams. So, wow. but at the time, like I said to myself, like I ain't never going to be in a relationship where some man could walk out on me, leave me with three kids mm. and wreck my entire life. Mm. Like wreck it. Yeah. Okay. And that's how I viewed it. I yeah, And I, I think about it and I kind of like wanted to slap my mom. Like, and I say this, in hindsight, because I was a young and I was just angry. Yeah. I was like, yeah. why are you so, like, first of all, like, you need to come back. And second of all, why is this all on me? And I just kind of was like this anger. And the only thing that I could do was, like, get to work, yeah. you know. And so I definitely feel like for years, I would choose people that I thought were nothing, that would never, ever do this to me. which. Was bad because you end up in these relationships where the only reason why you're with them is because you feel safe there and yeah. you feel like you have some power in that relationship when that's not good for you and that's not good from them. Now, I've since yeah. grown out of that, recognized and did a lot of therapy, but it is it was watching my mom shatter and then piece her life back together. Definitely, and my dad not being around, and mm-hmm. I also think with my dad that put something in me because I used to call my dad around. My I called all the houses to try to find my dad. <laughs> right, I'd be like, "Daddy, we supposed to be getting together." Like right. I call my uncles, at? my aunts, my grandmother. Like, and I always felt like I had to do a whole lot to get his attention yeah. for him to show up and and be where he was supposed to be at the time he was supposed to be. And so I think it made me feel like. In order to get love from someone like my father, like I had to stand on my head and like get straight A's and like look cute and do all of these things perfect, right? And make it work. And what and it cause it wasn't just enough that I was his daughter. I looked just like the man, you know? (laughs) And all of that, it was like it wasn't enough for me to just be Mm. me for you to do what you're supposed to do as my dad. I had to go through all this other stuff to get you to show up. But if I called and did all that stuff, he'd show up. I guess. Damn, the girl don't found me. Mm-hmm. I guess I gotta go over there. You know, <laughs> Man, Whereas you found my me brothers, my, hand hand brothers hand hand. my brothers wouldn't do all that, okay. and so and they just had another level of anger. I would just jump through hoops. Yeah. So anyway, that's a long. No,
0: yeah, I'm I mean, like, like you know, look, Cherry, <laughs> you just hit on something that I think is a whole nother conversation about relationships, right? Yeah. This thought about how does our early experiences the models the the changes how does that impact us cuz i've heard what you just said a number of times of where people make a choice of who they select as a partner because of what they saw or experienced mm-hmm. and on some level it's to protect us from hurt cuz i mean who wants to go through that again and we do it but but then in trying to like double down on making sure that we don't get hurt we caused some other kind of situation that we didn't have to deal with. And that is not, most of us are not usually aware <laughs> that that's what we're doing and sometimes never figure it out. I know people, they go their whole life, they never realize that that's what they're doing. So the fact that you know it and work through that is amazing. Thousands and, and of
1: dollars up. in <laughs> therapy, Dr. Dan.
0: Hey, look. That's a shout-out to therapy right there. That's why we do what we do. In
1: years, I've been in therapy. I was in weekly therapy for six years to deal okay. with myself. And I finally, like, am. I fully am a healed whole person. But, and I'm able to even articulate it to you.
0: And I appreciate and, that.
1: Um, so, yeah. So that, that was defining moment. But, yeah. you know, I mean, but I always wanted to be a journalist. I'll tell you that.
0: I mean, and I could tell, right, from... Not only your hard work, but your ability to navigate the challenges and, and to tell stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the last thing I'll say with all of this is that, you know, with, with what you, you experienced and how you went through it, and even working through your own healing, it's so important that we think about these things and we work on ourselves and we figure out what we need to do because it can cause impact. But it sounds like you found a way to just continue to push through. The other thing I was thinking about is some of the things that we don't talk about a lot is how sometimes as children, we end up having to take care of our family early, right? Like we don't always talk about how like, yeah, as the oldest, I had to do this or that because my parent was sick or my parent was sad or depressed or that there was just a need in the family. And I think like you highlighted that like, yes, on top of school, I also was doing this. So you know, shout out to all the young adults out there who are doing stuff for their family and sometimes don't get recognized for how much they're working.
1: And people don't realize, especially with single moms, if they have a child that they grew up with, and I was the child that made my mom a mom. Mm-hmm. And I was also a girl. And very much my grandmother was like, my person. Like, she was my first voice coach, you know, having me read in church and all this stuff. But like, I, I'm not angry at my mom now. I think I was angry then mm-hmm. me and my mom are like, my mom is like an amazing human being awesome. and she protected us. Like no one, like I, I grew up, thank God. No one did anything to me. My mom didn't date. She refused to break <laughs> men around me. She said, I have this daughter Yes. who, you know, she meets somebody and they look at me and she was like, Oh, hell no. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And I was always tall. I'm 5'11". So, imagine, you know, me at 11. You know what I'm saying? I've been 5'11 since I was 13. Wow. And uh, my mom used to make me wear busted clothes. (laughs) You wouldn't (laughs) want to put your makeup. She was like, oh no, No. honey. So, my mom, I gotta shout her out and just say how much she protected me despite her own pressures. And she loved us with I just I knew I was loved yeah like yeah. so and I get all teary-eyed thinking about it but she she was a good mom but she went through some ish getting yeah. out of that yeah. relationship she popped back up three years after <laughs> right, right. Like, all right she I'm done <laughs> it's
0: like it am over again. well yeah <laughs> like shout out to mom I mean that, that's for
1: three years that yeah. sounds
0: incredible like you know yeah. and once again sometimes we don't you know as a child we don't fully know The journey of our parents and what they're going through. Like, it is just now in my 40s that I am starting to recognize all that my parents had to do or get go through or figure out or the decisions from the parent side of it, like, or the adult side of it. I'm like, yo, I see it now in a way that I didn't. I went to the the, the grocery store the other day and I spent like a good amount of money. I'm like, man, I can only imagine when you said a household of nine. Like, oh my God. that grocery bill and then may you may or may not have had money trying to figure out how to feed a house is a big responsibility that sometimes we just just don't even pay attention to that so definitely
1: shout and out my to mom. mom did never she did not like government assistance she mm. my mom worked she yeah. sold she worked at JCPenney she worked at the school that was her main job and she sold Avon See? Get so soft paid for my <laughs> books in college okay
0: that's right. That's look, <laughs> Mom found a way. And, he
1: did. And, so,
0: and so I hear how all this stuff like started to build character, right? Build like who you are and how you went about things. And so in finishing BU, like where did the, what was the next phase for you in your life after BU?
1: My dream was always to be a journalist, but after experiencing the hardship and having to work three jobs in college, I decided to go to law school. Okay. And I will say Boston was so racist <laughs> and working in a very, el- I worked off of Beacon Street and which is a very elite, rich section of Boston, oh. a lot of old money. And I worked selling fur coats. coat. So I worked with a lot of very wealthy people, celebrities from Boston and just the microaggressions that I experienced working in this parlor, which paid a like pretty good money at a mm-hmm. time when Minimum wage was like $5.25. I was making $8 at one point and $14 by the time I left, an hour, which was a lot of money. Yeah, some
0: people want $14 right now. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I was paid. And I would get like, I would also get like a commission. So it was good money to help me pay my portion of whatever I had to pay being at Boston University. So I took a lot from, and I just decided I did not want to have to work this hard anymore mm-hmm. and so i went to law school at howard and i went to nice. a hbcu because i was tired of being the only i was one about to
0: mind. say was that on
1: purpose <laughs> that was exactly on purpose i was like i can't deal with these white and don't get me wrong bu taught me how to identify good different kinds of white folks and how to yes. be friends with yes. people of different races something that i didn't learn growing up because i lived in a black environment it also taught me i could be 100 myself and nice. still be successful. In a white environment, under their standards, because I was still on Dean's list, still held my scholarship, all that stuff. But I needed to be black again. <laughs> Went to Howard, best three years of my life. The people I met at Howard were, are still my friends now. Okay, and it just changed my life, and it made me like become like I would say a social engineer, mm-hmm. and to pay attention, know my history. we had to walk eyes on the prize, Georgia, eyes (laughs) on the prize before we even started school. Okay. They was like, you need to know your history. Yes. And so I decided I was going to be a lawyer, make a ton of money. And I got a great job in Atlanta working, making six figures at this law firm. I was 25 years old, bought me my house. I was living my life and I was working in intellectual property, which to me Uh was News adjacent.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) But then there was always this pull inside of my spirit. And I just Mm. was like, yo, I need to figure out a way to become a journalist. So I started dating this guy that I was good friends with in law school. And he was one of the few people who always believed in my dream. We started dating. We ended up getting married and I moved to Philadelphia. And uh, he was so supportive of me. And he told me to quit the law and pursue it. And I didn't look back, you know, and something about creeping up on 30. I was like, yo, (laughs) if I need to do this, it's something about those decades, you know, in your life. And so I decided to jump and I enrolled in school at Temple University to get my master's in journalism and got a job right away. Everything just kind of worked out. And it was just like all of the things that I wanted to do from the time I was like a little girl running around with a hairbrush saying, (laughs) on the record, on the record, on the record, started to unfold. This all, you know, and I had thought maybe it would never happen. But then everything started to happen. I started working at KYW. CBS3 asked me to start doing reports for them. Next thing you know, I'm CBS3, you know, I'm working Sunday mornings doing live TV and winning all these awards. And it just seemed like it just, it seemed like it was me, but not really me. It just seemed like God had like, This was what the path I was supposed to be on or something.
0: And of course, right? Like it was there from the beginning. You felt it inside and obstacles here and there, challenges here and there, decisions, but you found your way back, right? And I think, you know, one, that's incredible that you were able to find your way back. But I want to talk about that part where you were in, you know, practicing lawyer, making money. But still knew that that wasn't the dream, right? The dream, on some level, was to make money, right? Maybe in a way, probably because you you didn't always have it, and it, that probably felt good. But that wasn't—these are my words—the purpose, right? And how did you, like, I'm wondering, day to day, how did you navigate that or deal with that pull or that tug that, like, this is not it?
1: Well, it's funny because when I started practicing law, first of all, I was kind of hood, you know, (laughs) all my clothes is too tight, you know, like panty lines. It was just, I was kind of tacky. I ain't even gonna lie, because no one like sat me down and said, okay, like finishing school, like this is how you supposed to look. So I got a there was a couple black women lawyers who kind of like pulled me to side and was like, yo, don't ever wear that outfit again. You know, like at least they said something though. Yeah, they said something. And they 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 like took my work and just helped me refine they were like, you have talent, sis. Like, we just need to, like, clean you <laughs> up and, like, fix you up. And one of the things that they told me was, be careful of the golden handcuffs. Mm. I was like, golden handcuffs? They was <laughs> like, look, yo, be careful of the golden yes. handcuffs. Do yes. not buy BMW. Do not, you know, lean in and start, like, spending all your money buying Louis Vuitton bags and Gucci and and, like. You know, like get you don't get unless you know this Mm -hmm. is it. And even if this is it, this place, these spaces, they they give you all the sugar to lock you up. Yeah, and then they suck the life out of you slowly but surely. So beware Mm. of the golden handcuffs. So this this is why they like helping me, like refine my work, my look. You know, like refine myself. My speech. This just fit into the culture yeah. of co- corporate America and of the more elite systems. All of these things are also telling me it's a trap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I refuse to get trapped. So I bought me a Nissan Pathfinder, paid that bad nice. boy off. Like nice. I was like double paying my student yes. loans. I started selling Mary Kay on the side. Like I was like, if these people get crazy try to get rid of me i got options i'm got options exactly (laughs) like so right and that mentality actually because i didn't have a lot of debt i didn't you know i wasn't like a flashy person everybody knows i'm not about name brands like i was never you know bundles and all this kind of like you know like you see a lot of women walking around and they got these Mm -hmm. thousand dollar sunglasses that was never i'm like very like humble in my outfits. I do like my nails and I do like an expensive (laughs) bag and I do like my weed, but it's okay.
0: You gotta have some things you like, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, I will scale it back, you know, if I need to, but I just never Mm. bought into that. And that gave me freedom. And I also had full scholarship to undergrad and I worked, I did all that work. So I didn't have tons of student loans. That's a big deal. Yeah. And I had partial scholarship to law school. So I did have student loans, but it wasn't like as bad as it could be considering the amount of education i have and so i just that gave me the freedom to be able to i wasn't like handcuffed
0: yeah and i I think a
1: lot of people a lot of young folk they get that they get that that sugar (laughs) and they lock and they in a cage yeah it's like they give you the sugar and they lock you in and you can't leave because you have this mortgage and all this debt and student loans and
0: you don't have the freedom to pivot Or to go after the dream that like like you were able to. I think like one, you know, shout out to those women who pulled you aside and was willing to like (laughs) help and support you. Because we know that sometimes even the people we work with, regardless of race, regardless of background, sometimes they could just hate on you. Sometimes they could just not or they know but they're not willing to share or open up. And for whatever set of reasons, they were willing to do that. And then when we talk about being black in corporate America, that's a whole nother experience, right? And sometimes people don't tell you or help you understand where to step, what to do, what to say, or how to be, and to have some people to guide you like that is, I is instrumental.
1: I was blessed. And I will say I had a couple of white male mentors. Shout out to the white guys who actually I've had some too of color who like – take you under their wing and they not trying to date and there's some anti race because everybody be like have been dragging white men for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you some of my most formidable, impactful mentors have been white men who love me. I know they love me because they hooked me up and protected me when I could have been thrown out the window and dismembered. Yeah. And they put their reputations on the line for me. So this is before. Right. All it is George yes. Floyd. This is back in the day. Yeah. So I got a shout out to and they know who they are, <laughs> who have given me promotions before. It was like sexy. Before it was like the thing to do. They just legit saw who I was they and, yeah. and hooked the sister up. They did. They hooked <laughs> me up.
0: I think that's great. And same here. You know, like I had and still have those white mentors, male white men and women who have just been there in my corner that I know. Care deeply about me and my well being. Yeah. That's it. Right. Yeah, which and then ends mama, up it, like right. and it was
1: cool, like cool. Right. And I'm like, see, that's the part that, you know, in all this wokeness, I just hope we don't, you know, forget that yeah. a lot of us got where we are because somebody opened that door and they yeah. didn't necessarily look like us.
0: Nope. Uh, Oftentimes. So
1: I'm grateful. Yeah. And
0: they took those, those chances or those opportunities or they just saw that, like, hey, I got in because somebody opened the door for me and I'm willing to open the door for somebody else. And what's crazy, and I know you've done this, where now that we're at certain places, we're opening doors for people who don't look like us too, as well as people who exactly. look like us. and I
1: make sure that I'm cool with everybody because, like, you know, I just value hard work and yes. I work hard. Like, we And know. they couldn't say I didn't work hard and right. didn't try. So I think that was another reason um, that, you know... Because I, when I left my firm in Atlanta, like my mentor, Dave, he threw me a freaking party. Wow. Like he and, and like gave me a nice gift. Like nice. he threw me a Like that's how close we had gotten over the four and a half years I was there. And, that's just, uh, that's just so wow. you know, I just think about him every once in a while. And I'm like, there's certain people, even in journalism, mm-hmm. that if it wasn't for this person, like, I don't know if I would have been able to do what I've done so I'm grateful for those folks
0: and so, shout out to those people and you know and once again you know I love how you highlight the golden handcuff because once again we don't always talk about this because especially when you're at a place where you're chasing a dream ch- chasing and you grew up broke and you grew up broke right and you saw other people around you struggle the goal sometimes is let me get my coins right let me get to this spot where I have some money and then we don't always say it, let me flex, right? Let me show other people that I've made it, I've arrived. But in that whole pattern, you're actually getting yourself stuck and getting into that handcuff because now you got to work. And then when they say, well, we need you for an extra 20 hours or we need you to do more. And you're like, what choice do you have? Because you want that paycheck. And it's, you know, especially in this day and age with some of what we're talking about with people and work and how they show up, it is those dynamics of, Yes, we should work hard. So we're not talking about not working hard. Yeah. Yes, you should show up. But it's another thing when you feel like you don't have an option or a choice and you're handcuffed to it.
1: Yeah, and the real flex is freedom. The real flex is being able to pivot. The real value now isn't, you know, a BMW and all these cars. Don't get me wrong. I love, I want to buy a Tesla. That's like, oh my, <laughs> like I want to buy one of these. I want an EV. Right. That's my next purchase. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like, If the flex is because I didn't do that, like I can leave if I want or I can do this if I want or, you know, no one has me trapped. I don't have to take toxicity uh, in order to survive. But, you know, I think a lot of people walk into the trap, especially if you grew up with not a lot Mm -hmm. and you see that that those checks coming every month and you could pay all your bills, and you still got $2,000 to save. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that feels good. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, all my bills is paid. I'm still paid. Oh! Right. Oh, oh, oh! It felt <laughs> so good to, for once in my life, to be able to help. Yeah. For once in my life, to have all my bills paid, like, and not owe nobody nothing. To, like, to,
0: to decide if you want to help other people, right? Like, you don't have to feel Like you're like if I help somebody, it's gonna hurt me, right? That's that's a dangerous place to be, where like you know you might come up in a certain place where yeah maybe other people around you need help or support or or you want to be able to look out you maybe you want to be able to mentor you have that freedom and I really love what you say that you know freedom is the flex right that ability to know that I have options I have freedom and I'm a hard worker and I'm smart so you know what I have options now so with that. You got to the place where you had the freedom, you had the encouragement, you had the support, but you still had to take the leap. I like did. you had to, you still had to jump. How did you do that? How did you say, with all because people get encouragement, people get support, people have the freedom, but they don't jump, they don't leap. What
1: allowed you to do it? Well, I went to a Tony Robbins uh, seminar. Uh, walked across the, I mean, I'm telling you the truth. Yes. I walked across the daggone cock holes. <laughs> uh, yes. And, um, because, you know, I'm a Capricorn and I like security yeah. and I like money. Okay. Yeah. I don't like being broke. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've always had stacks because from the time I was little, I would save every yes. dime. Yes. So I had to convince myself and then I hired a career coach because I was making that big money at the mm-hmm. firm mm-hmm. and I I, for two years, I did a plan nice, and then I executed the plan. And I remember the day I had written my resignation letter and I had it in my desk at work at the big firm I was at in Philly. And I just kept going down to the manager partner's office with it. And then the secretary was like, he in there. And I'm like, I'll sneak back to my office. You know, (laughs) I did it like over the course of three weeks. And I had a drop dead deadline of like November 30th. Okay. Okay. And I remember I did it two days before the deadline. And mm. the, the guy who I told laughed at me. He was like, Why would you why would you do that? You know, and it was 2010. Why would you do that? You know, and I'm like, because this is my dream. I'm gonna be a broadcast journalist. And he was like, You're crazy, you're making all this. Why would you do that? And so then I felt like it gave me like a motivation. <laughs> his his
0: watch me like, work.
1: Rit- <laughs> like ridiculing me like that, like mm-hmm. And it made me double think. And then I doubled down wow. and I was like, oh, hell no, I'm about to kill this mug. So I just leaned in and it's like, it came a moment where I was just like, yo, there is no turning the F back
0: mm-hmm. now. Yeah.
1: And it just, I was like, this is going to work. And when I tell you that I bought like a camera, I built a studio at my house, like, you know, everything, and I started freelancing. I was horrible. I stay in that studio, <laughs> doing stuff for hours, and it would just be bad. And I remember, like, I got an internship at Channel Ten, and I remember, like, they saw me out there being for real, like, and he, And I remember people would be like, "Yo, are you for real, sis? Because this isn't good." And people started helping me. Nice. Like, they were like,
0: "There it is again." quit oh, her people. job.
1: Be looked crazy as hell. Like, all right, sis, let me direct you to somebody who can it. <laughs> And so, like, literally, it was like angels came out the woodwork and, like, assisted me. Just like those women
0: mm-hmm. who helped
1: clean me up and told mm-hmm. me, don't wear your head like that. Don't say this. Don't get hooked. It was like, literally, God sent these people who helped me. And I remember, like, I got my job at KYW because this guy who used to be a news at some of these stations, he saw me. He's like, yo, tell me your story. What you here? Mm-hmm. And, like, he literally me with another person. And so it's like all of those little things. I feel like when you're on the path and when you have the courage and you make the act of faith and you leap, that is when, you know, God steps in and yeah. assists you. I mean, cause I didn't know how I was going to make it. And within a year of me quitting, I was on air.
0: I love that. And you know, what's so powerful about that is Sometimes we don't get the assistance until we leap, right oh yeah, <laughs> like it's not like some people were helping you out or how to get better because you weren't even on that path yet. It was when you were there and you were working hard, which has been like your through line, and being like committed to the task that now people are showing up and helping to refine and give and wanting to hear your story and then putting you on, which is so awesome you know that that was that has been your experience, and I think it's just so powerful that. I'm not saying that everybody needs to just, you know, pivot and leap to wherever the thing is that you need to do. But sometimes you have to have a plan, which you did. You need to work the plan. You need to be ready. And you need to be okay with the haters, right? People who don't see your Oh, opinion. everybody
1: told me I was crazy. They laughed and told me I was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and now that it worked out, they were like, you were so
0: Yeah. 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 They're always going to be somewhere. I knew you could do it. That wasn't what you were saying. Yeah. And, and so I'm glad that you, you know, you took that that leap and you were able to push forward and I want to like fast forward a bit because you've been able to accomplish a lot. Right. You took that leap. You've won awards. You've been the president of Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. You've done and now, right, you're working at WHYY. And so tell me about that part, like the 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 success in taking the leap. How has that been for you?
1: It's been a blessing. I mean, there were sacrifices that I had to make and it wasn't all perfect. It wasn't all easy. And it's almost like every time I thought I was good, it's like something would slap me back down. And so I've <laughs> learned to just stay humble, Yes. <laughs> never yes. get to never think you are that great, but know that on the worst day, it's not as bad as it seems. And so I just kind of just take it all in stride. And I kind of like had to recalibrate a couple of years ago. Because I realized I had put my head down and then made all these sacrifices and was so focused on this, you know, amorphous goal that I didn't realize I needed to build a life. Like, you know, that I needed to make sure that, you know, that I wasn't just so in alignment with this work Mm -hmm. that I forgot about who I was and where I came from. and, And I couldn't keep saying no to people that I needed to be saying yes to. So. This next phase is me sort of doing the work that I love, building the life, and also having an impact on a different level to not just be trying to do stories, but to also influence narratives and to have a broader impact. And so I'm part of a new nonprofit, the Law and Justice Journalism Project, where we help train journalists to cover crime, courts, and justice in a more equitable and fair way with more sensitivity. That's been my area of, nice. of, of of coverage for the past decade plus that I've been on air. And so I want others to do the work, mm-hmm. too. And so that's part of my mission. And, you know, and I, I went through a divorce. And I will say that sometimes my like hard work and some of my relationship choices based on trauma led to that mm. but I've since recovered in a very healthy uh wonderful You popped up
0: like your mom. Yeah, Three I years. popped I'm back good. up.
1: I'm in a wonderful healthy uh loving um, nice. committed a uh, situation now. Great. And you know and things are working out and I'm remembering to build a life. move to Wilmington, Delaware where I can have a life that's separate from work and but I still work hard but I still live hard. And I think you know that's part of the evolution.
0: I appreciate you sharing how sometimes that we can have our head down towards a goal and there's some parts of our, other parts of our life can be underdeveloped, right? That we're not working on that area. And there could be some collateral damage as a result of that. And that we have to make, make sense of that. We have to come to terms with that. Uh, we have to figure that out. And it sounds like you have been on that journey and have been able to recover and to heal while you were going after the goal, while you're working hard. And that's a lot of us, right? There's a lot of people where it's something, right? It could be your health. It could be your family. It could be your relationships. It could be your, (laughs) your bank account. It could be other things where there's collateral damage and we have to kind of reckon with that.
1: You have to deal with yourself because at the end of the day, you can quit jobs, you can move, you can lose weight, get a tummy tuck, whatever. And then you still got to deal with you. Yeah. the goal is how do you like look yourself in the eye? Like, are you working hard just to avoid something? Can mm-hmm. you be silent and in your own space, in your own body, in your own thoughts and be okay? And that's the kind of person I want to be. And I was like, I want to be the type of person who is intentional about my work. is intentional about impact, is loving and says yes to the people who I love the most and mm-hmm. not saying no to them all the time for some other goal, mm-hmm. But it's the same time achieving the goals and the things that I know I was put on this earth to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like this full, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm working really hard to become a full person, yes. well-adjusted, happy human being. Yeah. yeah.
0: And there's room for that. So last few questions that i like to end with. One, you, I think you already started is what are you working on now? And you mentioned, you know, this new initiative and, and maybe say a little bit more about that or if there's anything else that you're working on now. i will be really curious about that.
1: Yeah, well, right now, you know, something I'm pouring a lot of my spirit and soul into is the Law and Justice Journalism Project. It's an effort that we were able to get funded and we are working to, we've created a fellowship program where we're recruiting uh, early to mid-career journalists who we will train to do better uh, storytelling, better investigations, and better coverage of law, justice, courts, and of course, crime, because crime narratives influence communities of color so much and policies that affect communities mm-hmm. of color. So we're working on that. I also am very proud of the Good Souls Project. It's an effort at WHRY to highlight those who are yeah. uh, trying to make a positive change in the world. That's part of who I am. My mom is one of those good souls. Yeah. And so my, part of my job is to highlight that. And just to highlight stories that I think are important that dispel stereotypes and also to explain very difficult subjects, legal and policy issues to folks in a way that I think the masses can understand. I've Hello. been very blessed to be very well educated, I've been very blessed to be very well informed. And so like part of democracy is, you know, being informed. And so I'm trying to be a liaison for information to so many. And I also teach at Temple University. Nice. I teach journalism, law, and ethics. So that's my life.
0: I love that. And, you know, I love, you know, there's lots of levels there, right? That because of your unique set of skills (laughs) that you are able to recognize the need and the gap, right? That there's ways that lots of journalists don't know how to cover some of the the, the legal, crime, and court stuff. And because of your set of skills in both worlds, you are the person or one of the people that can help to shape how they think about the uh, covering it, what they say, what they write, all of that. And I think, like, once again, that's another level of, of fighting the cause, right? There's so many different ways. You know, for me, I don't believe everybody has to be on the front lines I believe that there's lots of ways people make impact and difference in ways that sometimes we will never know, but it can be so significant. And I think that that's what you're doing. And then being able to teach and inform others. So you know, I think that's great what you're doing. The other thing that I like to ask is, who would you like to work with or collab with? Right? When you think about anyone, anywhere, who would you like to do something with
1: and work with? I, wow. I don't have a specific... Person in mind, but I have put out the intention to find a really amazing team Hmm. because I realized like the vision, the things that I really want to accomplish will require the assistance of others. Yes. Because the dream is growing, it's growing so much larger than me. And so, like, I put out the intention to attract, you know, a very good team of people we get along we have differences that are complementary and but we all share a vision to create good media you know and to help you know further democracy and and empower people so I've put I know that's what I'm looking for that's what my heart wants that's what my soul is yearning for and so I've kind of like opened myself up to that and I'm hoping that whoever that is, because I don't want it to be, I want it, because, you know, it's like funny, it's like you get the right combination of people mm-hmm. and it's magical. Yes. And I've actually experienced a couple places in my life where I've had these magical coming together and we created such amazing work. And so I'm very hopeful and prayerful that whoever those that group is, that we come together and it's soon, because I'm, I'm open, I'm looking for yeah. that, that magic. Yes.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I will join in with your your intentions. I am still, I am there as well. And I hope, wish, pray that those things do happen for you because once again, the, the things that you're talking about is impactful and to have the right people who have similar or aligned vision, that just takes it, you know, tenfold, right? That just moves it to a whole nother level. And so. I believe that that will happen and will happen hopefully soon. So you can get on And I on hope that, that happens
1: for you too. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Because
1: you know how good it feels when y'all are in alignment. It's like, because yes. it's like a shared vision. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. Yes. I just can't wait. And I know it's going to happen. Like I it feel, I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah.
0: So the last two questions that i like to ask is what does mental wellness mean for you?
1: Mm, mental wellness. That's a good question. Mm. I feel like I'm at a place of mental wellness and I feel like you know you're mentally well when you can sit with yourself and be okay you know your thoughts are not agitating you you're not experiencing anxiety you can be in silence right and it not be like a negative experience mm-hmm. you don't have to be reading or taking in some media or doing whatever you can just yeah. And yeah. this is the first time in my life where like I can literally sit. I live right by the water. Nice. I can sit on my little patio with a glass of wine in my hand and do nothing. And that's it. I'm I just love able it. to just be.
0: I love it. And I could totally hear from everything that you've been saying and the way you've been saying it. Just a level of like, yeah, I can be with peace, Right. Like and and that's a great feeling. And that sometimes we don't Have it so. I'm glad that you're there, and you know what it feels like. And the last question I ask is: What mental wellness advice would you give to your younger self, as early as yesterday or any time before that? What would you say to your younger self?
1: I guess I would tell my younger self to forgive yourself. You know, I would say not forgive yourself, but give yourself grace. Yeah, keep going, but give yourself grace doesn't have to be perfect all the time. And yeah, just give yeah. yourself grace.
0: Yeah, no, that is so important. You know, I think that's so many ways that we don't give ourselves grace and that we realize when we look back, we're like, oh man, I was so hard on myself or I was just, I, I didn't allow myself to be or to just, you know, look at the water <laughs> and be okay. You know, this has just been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate everything, you know, Cherry, that you you've shared and that you've been willing to share and the depth and the, the gems that you've dropped. Just thank you so much for joining me today. And last thing I'll say, is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap up?
1: Not really, I guess just, you know, try to find peace in your life. Like I just feel like a lot of us who are overachievers, we're kind of like pushed by some feeling of inadequacy in some ways and some desire to achieve to make it to some hill or top of some mountain. And, but it's never from a place of peace, you know? And um, so I just hope more of us give ourselves grace and then Mm -hmm. find a place of peace where we can exist. You know what I mean?
0: Totally, 100%. And I I love that. And I received that from me and I encourage others to find peace and give yourself grace. Cherry, thanks again for joining me and for being a part of this conversation today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: Wow. What an incredible ride we just went on with another great member of the LeapCast community. I appreciate you listening and hope you got some tangible value from the episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving a comment, rating and review. As always, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Dr. George James, and I'll see you next time.